Yo, what's going on from Tottenham Hotspur Stadium in North London? I'm Paul Allen, play-by-play voice for the Minnesota Vikings. Pete Bursich is the analyst. And uh, boy, did we get a kick out of this game today. Hopefully everybody else did too. By saying we got a kick out of it, Greg Joseph with his fourth walk-off winner, third with the Vikings, he went five for five kicking field goals. Will Lutz, the kicker for the New Orleans Saints, he hits from 60 to tie it but he can't get there from 61. It was the old double doink, and the Vikings improved to to 3-1 with a 28-25 thrilling victory. Analyst, analyze. Well, the the crazy part is this, had that last kick been from 60, it would have been an overtime, right? It would have been an overtime, but no, it was 61. And, uh, you know, overall, you know, you, you come out here, uh, you leave Thursday, you get here Friday morning. You know you're playing up. You're playing a banged up Saints team who, at the same time, is having problems. They're having problems with penalties. They're having problems with turnovers. Those problems continue today. That's one of the worries that you have when you play a team like this. Is if they all of a sudden get everything straight, um, you, they could be a problem. They could be a little bit tougher to beat. However, they were kind of their old selves at least the first from the first three games of the of the of, the, of this year that we've seen. And the Vikings had so many opportunities. And we could this game should not have been close. It should have been a two-score game. But the Vikings, again, just like a week ago against Detroit, hung in there and kept battling. And, you know, the defense, once we had that two-score lead, the defense kind of got soft a little bit and allowed the Saints to get back in it. And then later on in the game, you know, they, they, they come up big a couple times, a couple blitzes, a couple big plays to keep the Saints from, you know, just having a layup-type field goal. So um, uh, just a battle back and forth, and the Vikings come out ahead. He's J.J., and he's back, Justin Jefferson, after like uh, two games of nine catches, 60-some-odd yards, no TDs. Justin, 13 targets, 10 catches, 147 yards, no receiving touchdowns, but the first rushing touchdown of his career on his eighth on the uh, eighth carry of his career. Uh, That was a major player in today's game. Punter Ryan Wright, the undrafted kid from Tulane down New Orleans way, he was a three-star quarterback coming out of high school, relegated to punting at Tulane and in the NFL. He faked a punt. That worked for 13 yards to Jalen Naylor. Dalvin Cook ran for 76 yards. And um, Kirk Cousins finished with 273, a passing touchdown to Alexander Madison, the third of Alex's career, and he also threw an interception. The Vikings improved to 3-1. and one. They beat the Saints 28-25. to Here are Gabe Henderson and Ben Lieber with Between the Lines. Welcome to a winning edition of Between the Lines, fueled by Gatorade here in London at Tottenham Hotspur Stadium. Ben, uh, the Vikings win 28-25. to Winning on a double doink. Mark Rosen, <laughs> a double doink, Lutz field goal for the uh, New Orleans Saints that he missed on the last play of the game. And uh, Mark Rosen said, in London tonight, it's going to be two for one double doinks on beers. Yeah, yeah. So go there and ask, uh, I guess, the bartender what you want to drink. Yeah, I think it'd be it'd be fun if we could stay. Yeah. Obviously, we're not staying, but it'd be fun if we could stay. We stick around the stadium, go yeah. to some of the local pubs, and I wonder what they'd say if I'll say I'll take uh, I'll take a double double doink. <laughs> you get <laughs> a two for one. one. Yeah, not just one. I'm gonna get two. <laughs> well, the Vikings get two straight wins. Last second fashion. A win is a win, like we always yeah. say. But at the same time, uh, this was a game where the New Orleans Saints had ten penalties. 
two turnovers, yeah. and they didn't look their best. How, how would you define this win for this Minnesota Vikings team? Look, I know that we're, we're into October. Uh, we're not quite to Halloween, but to me this game, it was a scary win. Mm. It, it, the game, the way it all started out with, with a lot of their offensive starters, I'm talking about the New Orleans Saints, out of this game, as a former player, I always kind of worry about, like, are we going to play down to the level of the competition? Are we going to are we going to take a deep breath and say, oh, okay, the starting quarterback's out. Oh, okay, the number one wide receiver's out. Their left guard is out. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, Kamara's out. Their number one running back is out. It's like, okay, we got this game in the bag. You, you do sort of worry about that. And then as the game goes on, you see that Dalton was playing really well. Yep. They they were finding some balance. They were finding ways to, to chip away at our defense. Um, they... They gave the ball away to us. We took the ball away twice, once on special teams and once on defense. So it seems like a lot of things are going our way, but yet here they were sticking around in the game. Yeah. So it worried me as the game went on because you keep a team like this around, they're going to come back in the, in the fourth quarter and bite you. And thankfully, thankfully, we, we did just enough in the fourth quarter to win this game, and then you get the double doink. Can, can, before we talk X's and O's, can you just describe the way we were starting to win games? Because a few years ago, it was a little bit tougher. But the fact that this Minnesota Vikings team continues to find ways to win, even though these are unforeseen circumstances, how are we able to do that? Well, it just seems like, you know, and I'll use Coach O'Connell's words, I mean, this is a resilient group. You know, he's wanted this team to get tested. Let's keep in mind that they did not, he did not play any of his starters in the preseason. So we didn't see in these guys with any sort of, quote, you know, kind of meaningful reps until the first game of the season. They look great against Green Bay. Then they've hit some adversity uh, in every game since then. And he talks about, I want to see how this team responds uh, to adversity. And I think this team is resilient. They are they are making the plays when they need to make plays. It's not always pretty. Mm-hmm. You know, we, we couldn't find much rhythm. We couldn't run against this really stout front seven defense uh, of the New Orleans Saints. It's like everything that we tried to do to try to find a rhythm, they were combating and, and beating us. So um, I just think that overall we're making plays at the end of the game when we need to make plays and forcing them to make to, to create penalties. You know, how many times have we seen these last couple games where their defensive backs are creating penalties yep. against us to give us more opportunities? I mean, there were two penalties by the New Orleans Saints defense on the second to last drive, second to last drive of the game where they had a defensive pass interference on third yeah. down and a defensive holding on third yeah. down. So we, we kind of got lucky because we got the ball in the three, at the three-yard line. Justin Jeffries goes on to score the touchdown. But one thing that you talked to Kevin O'Connell about was we need to run the ball better. And Kevin O'Connell agreed. Yeah. What did you get out of that conversation with him when it came to trying to get this run game going, going, uh, going forward? Well, I do think that he feels a little bit frustrated that, you know, they have a plan. Obviously, they feel very confident about the plan. They come in each and every week. But it just seems like it's really, really hard to kind of get some yards and get up to the second level mm-hmm. where the linebackers are with our running backs. It doesn't seem like our offensive line are really firing off the football. Mm-hmm. We have a lot of one-back runs, which is synonymous with this offense. But we have seen, and maybe this is my own personal opinion and because we've seen so much of it in the past, but we've seen a lot of C.J. Ham, a lot of fullback in the backfield, a lot of you know H-back, tight end type stuff in the backfield, and Dalvin then using his vision and quickness to kind of run off of those mm-hmm. big blocks. And I don't think that we're using that as much. We're not utilizing that as much. So hopefully, you know, as we get past this fourth game and we go on to the season, maybe they start to realize, like, 
hey, man, C.J. Ham is actually a pretty good player. Yeah. And we've seen a, we've had a lot of success with Dalvin running behind him. Maybe we start to see a little bit more of that, and, and we see more offensive linemen just stick their hand on the ground, yeah. get their weight on their toes, and just running forward. Running forward is the name of the game, and if we can do that on offense and then stop them on defense, that is the recipe for success. <laughs> right, right. But another thing we need to do on the defensive side of the ball is try to limit their tight ends. Mm -hmm. uh, one of their tight ends, Troutman, had three receptions for 33 yards. The other one, Johnson, can't think of his first name, three receptions, 30 yards. As a former linebacker who had to cover tight ends, how do you negate that, especially when it looked like they were picking on Harrison Smith and Jordan Hicks today, just going right at them with their tight ends? Well, I know a couple times, you know, Jordan had a, had a great he had a great jam on the tight end. He got a little bit too much too much width after that. He's got to really stick his left foot in the ground and get back and get and get deep vertically. Okay. He would have been right in that passing window. So small technical thing. Okay. The Harrison Smith one, you know, I, I know the play that you're talking about where he is the first defender out on the sideline, but to me, it's hard for safeties who are lined up, you know, on the hash to take care of that part of the field up against gotcha. the sideline. So I don't know if it's a coverage thing from the corners okay. or what it is, but when a tight end is catching the ball down the field, look, these these tight ends are not running four three. <laughs> you know, these these tight ends are are you know they're four five four yeah. six guys. They're not getting down the field super fast. So yeah. what it tells me is we're not getting to the quarterback mm -hmm. quick enough. We're not creating pressure mm -hmm. quick enough. If you're letting tight ends kill you down the field, that means the quarterback has time to throw mm -hmm. and time to sit back and assess and wait for them to run off the leverage of the defenders. So I think it is rush and coverage have to work together, and I don't think the rush is doing a great job. Well, the rush has to do a better job next week against the Chicago Bears, Ben, but check this out. Uh, the Vikings are 3-1. Yeah. They're heading back home to face the Chicago Bears at U.S. Bank Stadium with a chance of going 4-1. How exciting is that for you? Oh, super exciting because you know we we got the we got two we're two and zero in the division, yeah, and that's true. Um, yeah. you know we we get an early test for this team with this new offense, new defense to play some divisional opponents in the in the bulk of the first third of the season. And we, we're two and zero already. We get a chance to go three and zero in the division, and that's huge. Mm. I mean that that's that's huge because we all think that this team is going to get is going to get better. Greg Minuski, yeah. yeah, Greg Minuski, yeah. he's the best. <laughs> um, we all think that this team is going to get better. So we if we can. You know, rally off these these wins in the division when we're probably not quite 100% right where we need to be. I think it's very optimistic as the season goes on when we have to face them again. Love it. Vikings fans, whether it's a double doink or a PAT, uh, the Vikings are still 3-1 and one going back at home at U.S. Bank Stadium this upcoming Sunday. So we're looking forward to seeing you loud, wearing purple, hopefully getting, getting another win against a divisional opponent. For Ben Lieber, Ryan O'Neill, my name is Gabe Henderson. Thank you again for tuning into another edition of Between the Lines, fueled by Gatorade here in London. Thank you very much, Gabe. Thank you very much, Ben. It, uh, you know, there, there were definitely some sloppy moments during the course of this game, including former Viking Latavius Murray. You look at the box score, 11 runs, 57 yards, and a touchdown. I mean, it, it's, you know, five some odd yards per run, which is good, but it's only 57 yards, which ain't that good. But their running game was effective. They ran for over 100 yards, but you played the game and coached the game, ma'am. So, I mean, you, I would think you would know better than anybody or think better than anybody. It doesn't matter how you get to the winner's circle in this bump and grind yeah. as long as you improve to three and one. No, you're right about that. That's really the only number that matters. Um, when you take a look, though, at how we went about doing it, you're not going to have these opportunities every single week. In, in any offense that's one-sided, and by one-sided I mean they have a threat of the pass and not the run, in this day and age, in this league, with the talent and with the, with, with the ability of these coordinators and players, 
uh, you you have to have some kind of balance on offense. And right now we're kind of a one-trick pony uh, offensively. And, you know, there were a few times today, um, I think, you know, Cousins' interception was, was a bad throw. He had a couple miscommunications with J.J. We're still seeing this offense kind of get its legs underneath it. I mean, they're, they're, they're a long way there, but there's still a ways to go. And that's the one thing that – that's why I, I was so, so emphatic about this victory is, yes, we have another week to learn this offense, and we have the rest of the season to learn this offense – but you're coming out of this three and one. Then you play the Bears at home, and if you can win that game, you're sitting tied. Or actually, you're right up top, the NFC North, and we're still learning this offense. So to be able to win these games along the way, they're huge. And this is these are the games a year ago we would we wouldn't we would have found a way to lose. And this team, they're hanging in there. They believe in each other. Um, they come through and, and make the plays that need to be made. New head coach Kevin O'Connell is three and one. Here's his post game presser. Um, obviously, a uh, very very hard fought uh, win. Um, really proud of our team for once again, um, really back to back weeks showing you know different types of uh, resiliency uh, to rely on one another. And obviously, there's a lot um, a lot we could do better. A lot more consistent play, capitalizing on some opportunities offensively. Um, and, and, and continuing to grow and progress and, and uh, you know, play as, as good as we can on the defensive side. But special teams, once again, huge for us. Greg, Joseph with the five mate, five for five field goals. Ryan Wright, two, two punts inside the 20 and the fake punt for his first career completion. Um, you know, just a really, really solid performance by our teams again. Um, I want to thank, obviously, uh, we came in uh, with a dialed-in plan. I want to thank everybody associated with our team and all the people I relied on to help me make decisions that I thought were in the best interest of our team, how we um, prepared to come here. And then obviously from the moment we, uh, you know, from the flight all the way to stepping foot at our hotel uh, to now as we head out of here, I think uh, a lot of really smart folks that care about our team put a lot into it. Um, I'm very thankful for uh, obviously those folks. And then as well, uh, my first experience in a, in a game over here and, uh, you know, cannot say enough about what the environment atmosphere was like today. Um, in addition to just what uh, you know, three four days have felt like here for our team and the support, um, and and just a genuine real love of American football that I feel. Um, with that, I do want to hit quickly on Lewis Scene. I know I'm a little long here, but a very very tough moment for our team, um, and obviously a guy that from day one has been you know a personal favorite of mine, and 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 done everything we asked, and was continuing. Uh, to progress in, in his rookie year, really having a dynamic role for us on teams. He did have a lower leg fracture, um, and uh, we got him the immediate medical care um, at a local hospital. And, and from everything I've been told, the care, uh, the you know, obviously the the uh, you know the local folks here have been phenomenal uh, with Lou. But he will be having surgery to fix that here. Um, we feel very strongly about uh, obviously not only the local doctors but our medical team that will stay back with Lou. Um, we'll get that fixed up for him and as soon as he's able uh, to make the transition back uh, to uh, the Twin Cities, we'll do that. But until then, all we care about is wrapping our arms around him, having support stay here with him, and then uh, ultimately when it's right for the player. Uh, and what's uh, most important is everything happens for the betterment of Lou's um, health. So uh, with that, I'll open it up to you guys. Sorry for the long um, comment. A lot to get to there. 
first of all, best wishes to, to Lewis yeah, as well. Yeah, thank you. Um, you say about finding different ways to win. What do you take from winning like that? What can you take as a, as a positive and something to build on as well? Yeah, I think, you know, offensively we'll know, first and foremost, we got to finish uh, some red zone opportunities that we had. Um, I feel like there were uh, some critical moments there where maybe we could got, a, instead of three, um, some opportunities there for seven that uh, if we do that, maybe uh, it doesn't have to be as close in the end, but I give them a ton of credit. That's a good defense, um, tough front to run the football against, and then obviously um, they've got three really good corners and, and how they were deploying them, and um, obviously a really good plan to try to uh, take away our run game but also account for Justin and Adam, and ultimately we found some plays out there, but just not consistency finishing drives, but i got to give Kirk and our offense a ton of credit there, back-to-back kind of drives for 10 points there in the fourth quarter to score and then obviously get the field goal. Uh, but just learning ops for us, um, I know that uh, it's not uh, always the easiest thing to hear, um, but uh, we're still uh, uh, we're four games into this thing and ton- tons of opportunities for me to coach better, um, get our guys to be a little bit more consistent, and hopefully when we do that we'll start seeing a little bit more pattern of results where we don't feel like we need to come back in the end. You mentioned the, uh, the fake punt. Was that a call you made that Matt Daniels made? Um, and then does Ryan Wright have the ability to audible into or out of something like that? No, we, uh, you know, I, I, you know, Hat and I have been really talking about that hat being Matt Daniels. Uh, we've been talking about that one for a while. Um, and uh, I thought it was a critical moment in the game. He, should, he suggested it to me. Uh, and, and right at that moment, I thought it was a great time uh, to, to give those guys a chance. I'd seen some similar looks. Um, early on in the game where I could I kind of evaluated the likelihood of getting that look again especially where we were on the field and thought it was a great chance I trust Jalen Naylor and Ryan's you know Ryan can throw the football now and uh, you know now we put that on tape and, and hopefully we can find other unique ways to possibly challenge defenses in that moment you know fourth and shorts and and uh, you know go get some more first downs but gave Ryan Wright a game ball Greg Joseph a game ball um, I told Jalen Naylor I'm expecting a few more catches in his Vikings career, so uh, he's got a ways to go before he gets that one. But huge play for our team there. Kevin, do you remember Delvin coming up to you surrounding the word respond on the sideline? I think you addressed the team he told me after the game in terms of responding. Yeah. Do you remember that moment and kind of how do you think your team responded? Another big response like yeah. last week's. I just think this group um, is a connected team that, that loves playing with each other and um, when they need to, these guys can collectively come together. And we rely a lot on our leadership. We rely a lot on, um, you know, guys to make plays in big moments. But there's never uh, any ounce of flinch, even when things don't go well for us, uh, because the expectation is a high standard here. And, and, and when, we, when we're able to make these plays late in games to go execute again, uh, to do whatever we had to do to win the football game, I think it continues to, uh, you know, give you confidence moving forward as a team uh, that you can win when when maybe you leave some plays out there. Or defensively, we could be a little bit better. Uh, but ultimately, what I'm going to continue to challenge the group uh, to, Stacy is just understanding that our consistency of being the best possible football team as we progress is going to be key for our season um, because because we can we can definitely get a lot better. Uh, but I'm so proud of our team, and, and this moment will help us moving forward. Kevin, uh, Will Lutz hits a 60-yarder, and then yeah. he lines up for a 61-yarder. What's going through your mind at that one? As soon as he hit it, I thought it was going in, the second one. Um, I told him after the game, he hit them both as pure as they come. He's, he's outdoors here. Um, uh, and, and for him to line up two of those in a row, uh, felt like that thing had a real good chance to go through. And obviously, a couple bounces later, uh, you know, we're able to walk off as you know, the winning team. But 
you got to give them a, hum, a ton of credit. Um, that's a tough team. It's won a lot of football games. Uh, I thought Andy battled, you know, on you know coming in as as you know the backup quarterback. And I told our team last night. I said this guy is a legit. Uh, NFL quarterback that's played in playoff games. It's had a ton of success. He's going to be aggressive today. We got to be at our best uh, to give ourselves a chance to win the football game. I got a ton of respect for Andy, uh, Pete, that offensive coaching staff over there. Um, but in, in general, when it left his foot, I thought it was going in. And then on the first bounce, I thought it was probably going in. And then luckily, uh, it, it did not. How does it affect your game plan when you're coming up against kickers who can kick from like from 60 yards and knowing that the, the field goal range is so much longer. How does that affect defensively? I don't remember uh, this many kickers in the league having that kind of range. I know our guy does, and, and obviously uh, Will proved it today that he could be a real factor in the game from distance. Um, and there's a lot of guys in our league now that can, can, that can swing it and hit from 60-plus. So, um, you know, it definitely is a factor how you manage those end-of-game situations, deciding you know, how you're going to maybe potentially use your timeouts or use different defensive or offensive calls based upon field position, knowing that the 42 or 44-yard line uh, is in field goal range, and, and we've got to be aggressive and maybe try to push them out of that range, which is crazy to say uh, when that kick's happening on their side of the 50. Adam was saying earlier how much he's enjoyed coming to London and more or less hinted that he wants to come back every single year. Yeah. Do you guys? Do you want to come back personally and maybe you know, spend a little bit more time than you did this week rather than coming on the Friday? <laughs> yeah, I, I would absolutely love to. Um, I'm hoping that that's in the plans for us moving forward. Um, obviously, with the the week four. Uh, game and then uh, choosing to not have a bye week after. We really kind of purposely planned this from start to finish a certain way. Um, but if you tell me it's a couple weeks later in the season or uh, maybe later on in the year, we would like to come and, and really invest in our, our time and in the community here. We had a couple great events even in the short time we were here uh, with, some, with some folks here and, and would love to do more of that. And like I said, the atmosphere was unbelievable today. Um, this, this stadium, this facility, uh, everything just felt first class, and it was, a, for my first time, a uh, heck of an experience. Last question for Kevin. Um, what are your thoughts on Justin, uh, Justin Jefferson today? Because he told me on Friday it was frustrating the last two games. He would yeah. like to play a main role, collecting yards, collecting touchdowns, and he couldn't, but it was different today. Yeah, I think uh, I've spent a lot of time with JJ over the last couple of weeks just continuing to uh, tell him how much I appreciate the leadership that he's shown by not allowing that for that frustration to affect not only his play but our offense um, and then obviously how excited he was last week for KJ and uh, Adam Thielen to make plays late in, the, in that game against the Lions to win uh, but it was time you know no matter what we had to do today uh, within reason within our normal offense we were going to get him going we knew he was going to be matched up against a premier player um, at, at his position in, in Marcus Lattimore, and, and I have a ton of respect for him and how he plays and competes. Uh, but we wanted to give you know, Justin some one-on-one -on -one ops when we saw them and then obviously you know, allow him to help the other guys as well uh, on some of those early downs. But so proud of Justin, huge performance, gave him a game ball today, and uh, he, deserved, he, he earned that game ball today, but in my opinion he earned it you know, in the preparation leading up to this over these last couple of weeks. Yeah, I think uh, it was just a matter of consistency for our offense. You know, we were able to kind of stay true to who we are, but at the same time allow Kirk and, and uh, our passing offense to, to get aggressive and move the team to go try to win it. Thank Thanks you. Everybody. Well, Eric Henry's up next. 
Kevin, an offensive-minded coach, calls the plays. Defensively, the coordinator is Ed Donatel, and uh, Durante Jones is the secondary coach. Why I bring all of that up, Cam Dantzler made the play of his career very late in the game. Single coverage, I believe, against Olave, the rookie from Ohio State, who's very good, and he had a touchdown in the game. How about number three, single coverage, knocking away that pass? Yeah, that was that was huge. And, you know, for Cameron Dantzler you, to hang in there, um, you look at the situation with the injury to Lewis Seen, we're not going to see him the rest of this season. Um, so you need all the bodies that you can. And, you know, and for Dantzler – he came out for a little while, was with the ankle, and it's one of those things where you have to stay on the field. And Dantzler, you know, came out for a bit, but went back on the field, and then he answered a call in a big spot. So for Cameron Dantzler, I think today was a huge day. Let's just hope that he can continue to build upon what he's done, right? And Olave, he is a very, very good wide receiver. I know Michael Thomas, he was responsible for half of the Saints' touchdowns going into this game. Um, Olave is a, is a darn good receiver, and you're not, you haven't seen the last of this kid in this league. And, you know, his catch radius and all those things, so good. But for Dantzler, this game has to be a huge, just a huge confidence builder for him. And hopefully, like I said, he can ride that and finish the season out like the corner he should be. The game did not go to overtime. However, it's interesting to note the only game in London that has gone to overtime and actually finished in a tie, 2016, Washington and Cincinnati, they finished tied at 27-27. The quarterbacks were Andy Dalton and Kirk Cousins. Speaking of Kirk, here's his postgame presser. First of all, uh, my thoughts are with right now with Lewis Seen. Um, didn't realize how serious it was until when I saw him carted off. He, you know, had like a respirator in his mouth, so I knew something was serious. So, um, you know, we'll we'll have to see where it goes. Um, I would think he's got to, you know, stay here, which is tough. And uh, and you know, we'd love for him to be with us. But um, thoughts and prayers with him. And then, uh, you know, as far as the game, obviously huge to get a win. Um, you know, just a typical NFL game, back and forth. Uh, um, but what was atypical was, you know, playing it here. And it was just a uh, tremendous environment in this stadium. You know, first time playing here in the stadium was just tremendous. Um, uh, great facility. It's just a great experience all the way around. Um, the hotel we stayed at, the practice we had on Friday, um, just a really, really positive experience. So uh, I thought our staff did a great job getting us ready and, uh, and helping us transition and be ready for kickoff. And um, so it's... Uh, it's great to leave here with a win, and a lot of people put a lot of work into this week to uh, to make sure we're at our best. But uh, as far as the game itself, you know, I, I, we don't want to kick five field goals. Uh, we want to score touchdowns, and I think that uh, more success in the red zone um, would have enabled us to, you know, pull away a little bit. So that was a disappointment. Um, you know, the field position all game I thought was really favorable, which says a lot about our special teams and our defense getting stops and getting us the ball in, in um, you know, shorter fields. Um, so, you know, there's, there's just a lot to clean up still, you know, similar to coming after the Lions game with a win. You feel great about the win, but you also feel like, uh, you know, there's a lot that you leave out there, and, and we've, got to, uh, we've got to get better. I've got to get better. So uh, that's kind of where our focus is. But um, it's tremendous to be 3-1 and one and to leave here with a win. Take any questions yet. That final deep throw to Jefferson, it looked like you were prepared to throw that before you knew whether or not Jefferson was open. Is that... Um, something that you're prepared to do based off of the leverage and the coverage that you know you'd be getting? You know, Arif, I think that's just, you know, kind of just 
you got to anticipate. You got to, yeah, like you said, based off coverage, and you just got to go. You know, um, um, I think if you wait to let guys get open in this league, you're going to be waiting too long. And um, that's why you want to get great players who can win, and you trust them and put the ball out there for them. Can you feel that rhythm heating up with Justin? I mean, you could see it watching it, but do you just start to feel that in game and then realize, okay, I've got to get the ball to him? Like, where does your mind go? Well, I think sometimes it's also defensively, what are they doing? I mean, on the first uh, third down of the game, I think it was the first third down, uh, played man coverage. He got great separation from the guy in man on him, but the free safety dropped down to double him and was standing right where Justin was going. So Justin's winning, doing his part, but they're doubling him, and they happen to be doubling him from a position where they have leverage. So then you progress to Irv, and Irv did a great job winning versus his guy and got the first down. But um, my point is is that you know defenses will still try to do things to take him away. A couple other third downs they did, we went to Adam or KJ. But uh, certainly when we get you know one-on-one and we have the time in the pocket too is important on some of these uh, third downs where they're rushing hard. But uh, when we got time, I mean, it's, it's uh, a huge asset to be able to work him, you know. What do you think was the core of the issue in the red zone today? You know, I think it's uh, a combination of factors. I think if you look at, I mean, they run together a little bit. Um, you know, the one we had the third and short that we didn't connect on. If you look at it, you know, I, I got to take the guy who's open for the first down, but you'd love to pump it and then work at him on the corner. And then we get the ball back after the turnover that our defense caused. Um, again, they're running together. But that one, again, I thought uh, when I checked it down to JJ that maybe I pumped that one, get the guy to flat foot and go to KJ for a touchdown. So there was plays there where you're like, you know, I could be greedy and try to pump it and, and, and get a touchdown there. Maybe we're not kicking field goals. And then there was one series, uh, I think it was the third quarter, that I thought was the most disappointing one. Just, um, you know, the delay game, which is on me. And then the uh, uh, twice, I think Justin was open for touchdowns and we didn't connect and checked it down to Adam once. I thought the corner was sinking and he wasn't. And then the other one uh, threw it earlier than I wanted to and didn't quite see Justin put his foot in the ground and he ended up separating. And if I just let him more, I think it's a touchdown. So, you know, that's where you feel like the plays are there to make and uh, we didn't connect. So that was disappointing. We've only had one overtime game here in the London games, the one yeah. that you and Andy uh, yeah, exactly. played in. Um, you seem to enjoy entertaining the fans here. Man, I would have loved to have pulled away. But uh, as I said to somebody on the field after the game, I said, it's a great product. I mean, if you're a fan, I mean, we gave you something to watch today, kept it close and entertaining. But, um, uh, yeah, it's crazy. I was thinking how six years ago it was Andy and, and I playing and uh, – Went to overtime, and I was fully expecting we'll make that kick, and we were going to go to overtime again. And I was just expecting to not have it end in a tie or a draw again. So uh, grateful we won. Great to get on an eight-hour flight back and know that we got to win, and we're three and one. But um, you know, you also think about all the things you got to do better. This is a great product. Do you think the NFL is doing enough to protect its players? Uh, I think every year it keeps getting better and better. I think they they uh, keep you know improving it every single year, and um, you know, there's always going to be risk. It looked like you got hit in the helmet a couple of times on those throws that were not called. Uh, I didn't notice the helmet. I got in the ribs pretty good once, but uh, uh, they're allowed to hit me there. So, uh, so um, yeah, you just got to stand in there and, and deliver and and uh, keep doing that. Kirk, what are you liking about the early resilience of this team? Well, I think it's going to be games like this going forward. It's going to be like this when you get to, you know, if you can make the playoffs get in January football, it's how it's going to be. So you have to uh, find ways to just be gritty and grind things out and, and respond when things don't go your way. And uh, we're certainly getting 
experience with that early, and we'll probably be experiencing it middle and late because that's just the way this league is. But um, um, certainly we think we can play better too and maybe give ourselves a better chance as well. Something that's come up again in the last couple of weeks is natural grass and synthetic grass. Yeah. You obviously played at Wembley with yep. natural grass and here's synthetic. Do you have any thoughts on that on the matter? I'm a natural grass guy. Uh, you know, in college, played on natural grass at home, loved it. As long as it's well kept, you can't beat natural grass. That being said, sometimes it's unrealistic, and you do what you can. And I think uh, my understanding was that there was, you know, we were we were tearing up the pitch pretty good, and so it was it was messing it up for the for the uh, soccer guys. So um, you know, I think there's an awareness of what's realistic. What do you think uh, to play in other countries in the future? I think it's a. Um, It's been true. You know, I've been over here now in the off season a few times too to help promote our game and our product. And um, I think it's tremendous to see the growth. I think the atmosphere today was just outstanding. And um, you know, it'd be great to see what else is out there and what more we can do and see where it goes from here. But um, I would like to think you know the momentum's going the right direction. It's just going to keep building. Kirk, at, uh, at three to one, this is the, the best start for the Vikings in five or six years through four games. Um, what's the upside um, for, for the team? What's the potential of the, of the, of the record? You know, it's hard to even look down the road. You know, it's, I think it's just one week at a time. Each game is its own stage in, in, this, in this journey. And uh, whether you win or lose, you kind of flush it and just move to the next one. And um, So, you know, I don't know. We'll see. We're just one game at a time, keep battling, and try to find a way to have more points than the other team when we're done each week. But uh, um, we've also got to keep improving each week and, and play better football. Thank you. All right, Kirk. Uh, Kirk Cousins finished 25 of 38, 273, a TD to Madison, and an interception to the Honey Badger. Ron Johnson has three takes, and here they are. Thanks, PA. This is Ron Johnson from KFAN, and these are my three takeaways from today's Vikings versus Saints game. Well, right off the top, the Vikings found a way to win 28 to 25, so that's got to be one of the takeaways, right? Nope. I'm not going to go with the victory. It is an easy one, though. 28 to 25, Vikings win in the end. There was a ton of big plays in this game, but none bigger than Justin Jefferson. I got to give it to Justin Jefferson on his 10 catch, 147 yard day, one touchdown on the ground, left a couple plays out there so I know Justin Jefferson when he looks at this film he's going to want a couple of these plays back there were some some back and forth Marcus Lattimore plays with Justin Jefferson that I know he was just just itching to get another chance at the one in the back of the end zone had to torque his body around a little bit but he should have made that catch Justin Jefferson I I would give him nine out of ten times he makes that catch if he has another chance to do it knowing that the ball is going to be behind him and he's going to have to turn his body in that direction but at the end of the day he made the biggest play of the game at the end one-on-one -on -one coverage and when Kirk Cousins saw it he went for it went for the deep ball the offensive line gave him enough time to make a big throw down the field and that was vintage Kirk Cousins just kind of giving that you like that moment where he found Justin Jefferson They were not going to allow Justin Jefferson to beat them, but they couldn't figure it out. I got to say, Kevin O'Connell did a great job, as he said. He was going to move Justin Jefferson around knowing that teams were going to key in on him. So he put him in the backfield, put him in the slot, put him in the bunch, ran a couple rub routes with him that actually K.J. Osborne's touchdown, in my opinion, should have been. But another big K.J. Osborne uh, first down conversion was another Justin Jefferson releasing up the field rub because you have to keep an eye on Justin Jefferson. That's takeaway number one. Takeaway number two, 
Time of possession. The Vikings dominated time of possession today, and it wasn't just because of the offense. The defense did a great job getting off the field, but special teams. Chris Boyd had a big forced fumble and fumble recovery. That was a huge play to get the Vikings the ball back, and then Harrison Phillips with another big turnover fumble by Andy Dalton. He recovered it. Vikings offense gets a chance to go back on the field. So I think even though the first downs were close, 24 to 19, the time of possession was key. The Vikings dominated the time of possession, not giving the Red Rifle a chance to hurt them in this game. They did a great job of kind of containing the run. Um, the pass, it was kind of even between Kirk Cousins and Andy Dalton, but and Chris Olave definitely got his here and there, but the Vikings defense, when it was time, stepped up in big moments and forced a 61-yard field goal at the end of the game. I think that's another big play to remember. They forced a 61-yard touchdown. They give up one more yard and it's back to a 60, and it's probably a made field goal. But the fact that it was a 61-yarder, that one yard, made a big difference in that game. It's a game of inches in the NFL. We know that. And then my last takeaway has to. It has to be a kicker's redemption story. We know the Vikings kickers of the past have gone wide left. We've seen coaches kind of turn their back on kickers here and there. You remember the Packers game uh, previously when Daniel Carson got cut, missed a bunch of field goals, stopped going to him, stopped trusting him. Kevin O'Connell remained faithful to Greg Joseph. He remained in his corner, and I think that was the big key. He knew he missed that extra point. He knew he put the game on the line for the Vikings, but the defense did their job. They made sure that, that when, the, uh, when it was time to step up at the end, they did in 461. So what did Greg Joseph do? He yet nailed a long field goal at the end to go up 25 to 28. So my third takeaway is definitely a kicker's redemption story. So happy for him because we know Vikings historically lose games because of their kicker. Well, this one goes to Greg Joseph as well. He did what he had to do at the end to make sure the Vikings won that game. And those are my three takeaways. Back to you on the field, PA. All right, Peter. Uh, the Bears next week. The Vikings are a 3-1 and operation. Uh, some final thoughts. Well, it's not the same Bears team that we're used to. You know, they have themselves a uh, very mobile quarterback. Um, defensively, they've completely changed. They're no longer the 3-4. They're the 4-3. They, they depend on speed and aggressiveness. Uh, to get through, you know, the Bears came out. They beat San Francisco at home opening day, which was a huge win because San Francisco is a good team, very physical team. Uh, but then we're disappointed Sunday, following Sunday night against the Green Bay Packers. So we can't let the Bears get to us. We can't let the Bears come out and get one for us. And then if you come out of that game and you're 4-1, you've played a Monday night game on the road, come back on a short week, to play the Detroit Lions, then fly to London, and then come back, which will still feel like a short week because you're not going to get in until early Monday morning. That travel, I mean, the, those, are, those are some headwinds there. And for this team to, to come out of this, if they can get, get to 4-1 get to, uh, and one out of that break, because we have, I believe, three or four home games, three, game, three home games in November. So the second half of the schedule is going to be much more home-friendly and it's going to be great to be there this Sunday to play the Chicago Bears. Another, it's going to be a close game. You know it. It always is against the Bears, but we'll see what happens. Great job identifying the Will Lutz double doink, my man. <laughs> well, I mean, I've, it's, I saw it from a long way, and, uh, man, that was – that. oh, my God, that was great. That's Pete Bursage, analyst for the Vikings Radio Network, and I'm Paul Allen. Thank you very much for listening. Let's close the postgame report with Kevin O'Connell's locker room speech – 
to the three and one Minnesota Vikings. I told you last night that uh, we were going to learn something else about our football team. <laughs> Gotta stop saying that stuff. It's if it's always gonna be learning that my heart is pounding out of my chest. But you know what, Greg? What did I tell you? After you had already made four field goals and that extra point, what did I tell you? I told you he's gonna get one more, and he was gonna knock it through and give it up for Greg Jones. We handled a lot this week. You know, we left on Thursday, had our work in, we got out here, you guys were pros through and through, able to battle all the way down to the very, very end. Unbelievable performance to just come together and keep on playing off of one another. Defense getting a stop when we had to have it. Offense going back and getting the lead. Eventually this thing's gonna come together where we're just situational. Lettuce and tackles, 100 career start for the Minnesota Vikings, Eric. Yeah!